season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shrigland and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Are you ready to chase your dreams? You've come to the right place. This Indiana baseball series is sponsored by Brain Fuel. So before digging into the product that helps me chase my dreams, let me tell you about my experience with Brain Fuel. So I tried Brain Fuel for the first time in March during baseball season after hearing a bunch of buzz here on the Indiana University campus. Instantly fell in love. Every time I get the opportunity, I am pushing the product on to my friends, having them drink a couple sips of mine. They're going out buying it as well. They're loving it as well. Um, no, I have a bottle. I probably have a case every week of Brain Fuel. Uh, probably a bottle every time before I go work out. Probably have half a bottle, quarter of a bottle, mid-podcast. I really believe it kind of helps me get motivated, opens up my brain, just makes me think wider, uh, kind of focus at the task at hand. So digging a little bit deeper into the product of Brain Fuel. So it was actually developed during COVID by a team of brain surgeons. They wanted to create some sort of product, some sort of drink that would just create all day focus. Well, after weeks and after months of testing out different ingredients, they came up with the ingredients Brain Fuel currently has. Um, rapidly grew right after that, right after creation, kind of sp- spread across the Midwest to where now it's in Indiana, Tennessee, Illinois, multiple states across the Midwest. It's definitely a product I would recommend. Like I said, I recommend it to all my friends, recommend it to you guys as well. Um, if you want some product, want to try it out, go to brainfuel.com. Or even if you are in Bloomington, they are in three stores right now. They're going to be in more stores here at the end of the month. But those three stores they're currently in is the Marathon on 10th, as well as the Convenient Mart by Evolve and Indiana Grab and Go. But with that being said, all the love I have for Brain Fuel, let's move on to the episode. And welcome back to the JKR podcast. Today we have 2022 freshman All-American and current sophomore first baseman for Indiana baseball. We got Brock Tibbetts on the JKR podcast for the Hoosier baseball series powered by Brain Fuel. Brock, super pumped to get you on the show, man. You're one of the first guests to come on for a second time. Carter was the first. Now you're the second. How are you doing today? Pumped to have you on the podcast. I'm doing well. It's great to be back. Great to be talking to you again. Awesome. All right, man. So one question I'd like to dig into, you know, before I dig into all the baseball stuff, I ask everybody is for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Brock Tibbetts? Uh, I basically start off by saying that uh, my name is Brock Tibbetts. I'm a sophomore here at IU, um, first baseman and catcher from New Albany, Ohio. I went to New Albany High School um, and majoring in sports management and marketing. Um. Yeah. Okay. There we Pretty go. Simple. So, let's go ahead. Let's dig into the recruiting process that kind of landed you here at IU. Mm-hmm. Um. So just take us through just the beginning of that recruiting process. Kind of you know when it got started for you. When you started getting noticed by Division One teams. Uh. Mm-hmm. What was that process like? So with COVID going on, um, my recruiting process was pretty late. Um. It really wasn't until the summer going into my senior year that the recruiting process really took off. Um, it was over that summer. So a lot was over zoom, a lot was over phone calls. Um, say around June and July kind of started getting phone calls and text messages from coaches. Um, it really started to pick up while I was in Atlanta for a tournament, um, towards the end of July. And then 
around that time was when I got in contact with, uh, at the time it was coach Parker was the first coach I talked to. Um, then coach Simmons then coach Mercer and talked to a few other coaches kind of had to do the visits on my own just because of weren't doing official visits and all that. So had to drive over here uh, one day just with my parents and kind of check out what I could and what was available um, and fell in love with Bloomington, fell in love with the coaching staff and yeah, decided to commit about a month later. So, okay. so you said your recruiting process, you know, started a little bit later than, than some other guys in your class. Mm -hmm. So what was that development like for your game as a ball player? Uh, just take us through that development and kind of how you develop, you know, as a, you know, freshman, sophomore going into that whole recruiting process with some of those D1 teams. Mm -hmm. So freshman and sophomore year, um, I was, you know, I hadn't quite grown yet. I was still like five, eight, five, nine, my freshman year. And then didn't get, did, really didn't get up to like kind of my size where I'm at now until about my junior year. So then it was just kind of discovering the weight room, uh, figuring out my diet to where I could become more physical in my body um, and just working at it every day. And it was a little more difficult because I played basketball and football throughout high school. Um, so I had to always try to prioritize baseball as well. Um, would occasionally go to a few showcases. Um, but other than that, it was just a later recruiting process than normal and could get a little stressful at the end, like kind of towards senior year, but uh, I'm happy with every, how everything worked out and couldn't be happier with where I'm at. So going through, you know, high school as a three sport athlete, playing football and basketball and then mm -hmm. baseball, when, you know, it did come time for you to, you know, quit football and basketball, you know, you're committed to IU, uh, you're going there to solely focus on baseball. How did that development or just how did your game evolve in general after kind of just solely focusing on baseball compared to three sports? Yeah, so um, playing the other sports in high school really helped out with me, like just kind of learning how to use my body, athleticism, and obviously the competitive aspect of it too, because I mean, high school football is an experience like no other. Like, I wouldn't give that up for the world. Um, but then once I got here was once I finally uh, prioritized baseball because playing the other sports up all the way through high school was a little bit harder part to prioritize one sport. But I knew that baseball was my first love. Um, so once I got here, it was a lot different uh, in the fall being able to just focus on baseball, focus on lifting for baseball and being able to just apply myself solely to one sport. And I was just able to um, not really worry about other sports and just be able to kind of have a plan in my head of where I wanted to go with um, everything within the game. So it, it really helped out a lot um, being able to just prioritize one sport a little later. Yeah. So during your junior season, when that whole recruiting process kind of got ramped up, take us through some of those initial conversations you were having with teams kind of, you know, were all these, you know, pitches kind of the same when it came to, you know, college coaches mm -hmm. being like, oh, you want to come here? This is what we'll do for you. What were some of those initial conversations like and how did they compare, you know, amongst different schools? Mm -hmm. So everyone, most schools tend to have kind of a similar approach. They got to kind of tell you about the school tell you about what they offer, uh, what the coaches are planning to offer. Um, but I really just stuck out, stood out to me because of 
kind of what they what the vision was for the coaching staff, especially Coach Mercer. Um, he just had a vision that really aligned with um, kind of what I saw in what I wanted to do at the college level. And he was just all about development and turning you into the best player possible, not just worrying about – obviously, everyone wants to go to Omaha. That's the ultimate goal of everyone who's playing college baseball. But he really uh, stood firm on development of players and getting you to the best scenario possible. And that's all that I've seen since I've been here. So the whole coaching staff is uh, their man, their man of their word. And again, couldn't be happier where I'm at now. Yeah. So before you realized that IU was the place for you, before you realized, you know, Coach Mercer is the guy that you want to be your head coach mm-hmm. in college. What were some of those key things that you were looking for as you were talking to these a couple different teams and kind of comparing them um, just overall? Um, I'd say a key comparison aspect would be just kind of how they were, um, how I interacted with them. Just kind of, I really wanted to build a connection with the coaching staff and especially over phone calls and over Zooms, it was much more difficult. So just, uh, finding time to be able to hop on Zooms with coaches and being able to hop on phone calls at pretty much any time that I could um, just to try to build a connection with certain coaches and places that I might be more interested in than others and just keep keep building that relationship because obviously I wasn't able to go through the recruiting process for four years so where I talked to him freshman year and was able to just keep talking to him and keep building a relationship. I had to do it pretty quickly which was a little bit nerve wracking, but uh, with IU, it was an instant connection. And after the first phone call with Coach Mercer, I remember telling my, I remember telling my parents, I was like, I, I just knew that uh, IU was going to be the place for me uh, just after the first phone call with Coach Mercer because of how, how quickly we hit it off and how much our visions aligned uh, for what I wanted to do at the college level what his plan was as a head coach. So so after that first phone call with Coach Mercer and you say mm-hmm. that, you know, you kind of felt like IU was going to be your, the place for you, how mm-hmm. long after was it until you kind of realized or I guess told Coach Mercer that, you know, I, I'm going to commit here, mm-hmm. I'm going to play baseball at IU? So that phone call, I believe, was, again, it was while I was, in, uh, while I was in Atlanta at a tournament. I want to say it was towards the end of July going into my senior year. Um I got home, kind of settled in, settled in a little bit. We actually had two a days starting up, so I was getting into those for football. Um, I want to say it was about mid-August that I decided to commit. So it was just kind of getting home, kind of letting everything settle down a little bit and just continue the conversation with my parents because um, obviously it's not just my decision, but it's also a decision for my entire family. So talking with them and kind of thinking things over and then ultimately I just felt like it was the right timing and knew that that was the place for me so yeah so in between those you know maybe three or four weeks in between that first phone call with Mercer you know you talking to your family and then you know ultimately deciding to go to IU were there a couple other schools that you know maybe finished a close second or third um in that process that, that you were kind of can maybe uh seriously considering um I would say there was there might have been one or two schools that were kind of close, but um, I never really had that type of phone call connection with any other school that I had with Coach Mercer. So 
Um, it really was just the first impression from Coach Mercer that uh, really put Indiana in a, ahead. Um, yeah, there wasn't really there wasn't really any other schools that were too close to Indiana. So, yeah. so being an Ohio guy, obviously, I know IU mm-hmm. recruits a lot out of you know obviously Indiana, but then Ohio, Illinois, mm-hmm. Kentucky as well. So, did you know? Um, you know, maybe some other guys within your state or some guys that you'd played with in the past that were either committed or, you know, currently playing at IU when you were, uh, when you committed there? When I committed, no, um, I didn't know anyone personally. Um, I knew of a few guys like McKay Whitaker, knew of, I knew of Devin Taylor, um, Brendan Rowe was here at the time. He was, a uh, going into his freshman year here when I committed, I just kind of knew of the guys because McKay and Brennan were both from Central Ohio. Um, I had played against them, I think maybe once or twice. Uh, hadn't really played against Devin. Evan Whitaker is from the state of Ohio, so I knew of him as well. Um, but I didn't really know of like know anyone personally when I committed because obviously, but I mean, there's a lot of guys from the state of Ohio who are either went to IU or committed there are there right now. So, but it was, so that kind of made it a little bit tough, just not knowing anyone, but I mean, I've bonded with everyone super quickly. Everyone gets along really well. And I love all the guys here. Yeah. Everyone's awesome. So you talk about how coach Mercer was kind of, you know, the big reason that you came to IU, you said you just hit it off right away um, yeah. on that first phone call. How has that relationship evolved? You know, now that you went through that mm-hmm. whole year being committed, your whole freshman year, now another fall ball season, how has that relationship evolved, you know, over these past couple of seasons? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it continues to just evolve every single day um, because of how, how well that, um, he's able to get across his message, uh, like coaching wise. Um, so if say I'm in the cage or something, I'm hitting, he'll see something small. He'll be, he'll be doing something else and not even really focusing on guys that are hitting. And if he sees something, he's always, he'll always put the guys first. Um, it's like he could be in the middle of a workout and he'll stop his workout to help guys out and coach guys up. And he's always looking to, uh, help guys improve, but, he always uh, preaches that he's he doesn't want to be overly pushy with guys, and some guys will let figure it out a little bit. But um, I mean, he's just all about learning, learning about the guys, and figuring out how they get coached best, and then applying that and being able to uh, help guys reach their max potential. So yeah. So you commit there in the August of 2020, I believe that year would be. You said the senior August uh, yeah. year. Yeah, August um, 2020. So you, so you commit there, and then you're on campus, you know, not even, you know, what, eight, nine months after that. Yeah. So, you know, you get to mm-hmm. campus. Take us through those first couple of days. You know, you're, you're, you're here in Bloomington, you know, maybe interacting with some of your, you know, freshman mm-hmm. teammates for the first time. What were some of those first weeks like? Yeah, so, again, I had never um, – I never met anyone in person. Um, we just had, like, a little group chat. Um throughout the after kind of after signing day up until we got there in the summer so we kind of talk in there but I never met anyone in person I didn't didn't know anyone so getting there in the summer it was really all just about trying to meet everyone going to the field and hitting with guys doing stuff off the field um so I think I think that six weeks was the best thing that could have happened for our freshman class because I feel like we have such a tight relationship between everyone 
um, even the guys that aren't here anymore um, that have transferred away. But so, I mean, it was just all about trying to build that relationship because we knew the the closer we were, then the better success we'd have off on the field. So, yeah. So, you know, being here in Bloomington in the summertime, you know, obviously, you know, regular classes aren't in session, but you guys are still, you know, maybe going to a couple of classes there in the summer. Uh, when was it that, you know, maybe some of the sophomores or the juniors or just the returning players, you know, started coming in, started mm -hmm. shuffling in for the season or I guess for fall ball? Um, just what was that process of, you know, going and actually playing up against, you know, some experienced collegiate talent yep. going in and kind of being just that youngest guy um, in that locker room? Uh, what was that, you know, first couple of weeks of fall ball like? Yeah, it was uh, certainly a cultural shock. Um, I'd say it took a it took a little bit to um, kind of get acclimated to it just because, um, I mean, playing at that high of a level is um, it's definitely a lot different than high school ball, travel ball. Um, so those first few weeks was definitely just about getting adjusted and honestly just keeping my confidence up and just to keep telling myself, like, that I'm able to do this and I belong here. Because um, there were definitely moments in that fall where kind of doubted myself and I would just kind of look around and I I got caught kind of comparing myself to other guys and realizing I wasn't uh I wasn't where I needed to be and I wasn't um I didn't feel like I was at the level of some of the other guys who had come back and it started last the year prior um so I really had to just kind of stay within myself and kind of just try to keep myself on course and on task with kind of what my goals were and what uh what I was trying to do and which was definitely tough at first but just yeah. staying within myself uh and keep telling myself to just become the best version of myself was the main thing so so when some of those older guys you know did get back on campus who were some of those guys that maybe you know took you underneath their wing kind of showed you the ropes of college baseball and kind of mm -hmm. just got you acclimated to you know playing baseball day to day at the collegiate level yeah um there were a lot of guys who uh, everyone was super accepting. Um, everyone really just welcomed all the new guys in because we had a decent amount of transfers too. So just all the returning guys back to Indiana, um, they were really welcoming of everyone. Uh, a few guys like Bobby was really helpful with that. Um, Jake Skrine was really helpful with that. Kit Fusers was. Um, everyone really was just accepting of all the freshmen and, just kind of, especially the first few weeks, kind of getting all the guys kind of, not wouldn't say motivated, just kind of keeping their spirits up because obviously some guys were struggling at first, which was just normal for a freshman first year in the fall. Um, but just everyone just keep going and kind of stay on course and everything will work, work itself out. So everyone that was there was really, uh, was really accepting towards the freshmen really helped helped us keep going yeah so you know as you go through that fall baseball season last year as a freshman you kind of just get in you know used to the collegiate life what were some of those biggest surprises you know maybe on the field even even off the field as well that kind of hits you you know as a freshman you know maybe leaving the house for the first time what were some of those surprises yeah um I'd say a few surprises would definitely be you know just the amount of hours in a week um like, you know, lift at whatever time and then you got practice. You're there early, possibly getting work in. You're there late, possibly getting work in. 
and then having to get schoolwork done too in classes that are harder than high school and are more demanding than high school. So the first few weeks in the fall were definitely something to get used to, um, just being able to balance um, school, balance baseball, balance my life outside of both of those. So I'd say that was definitely one of them. Um, I'd say def that was definitely the biggest one. Um, yeah, that's that's about all I can really think okay. of as yeah. big a surprise. Yeah. So when it comes to fall ball this past year, you know, as a sophomore, you're, you're experienced, mm -hmm. you kind of know what to expect. Mm -hmm. How did this past fall compare to your fall as a freshman when you kind of weren't, you know, ex didn't know what to expect? Yeah. Um, I mean, the fall is always tough. Um, it's the fall is meant to just challenge you. It's about development. It's about seeing who's just really tough enough to be here and able to compete at this level. But I mean, having, that experience from the year before I was able to just kind of calm myself down and realize, Hey, I got through it freshman year. I can get through it again. I can help the freshmen get through it. I can help all the new guys out. Um, Cause I was in the same shoes my freshman year um, and just kind of take those nerves that I had my freshman year and kind of help out everyone who might've been struggling this fall um, and also be able to use that for myself and, kind of realize, hey, if I'm letting everyone else know that they can get through this, I can get through this myself. So it was really just about not necessarily getting through it, but being able to just thrive through the fall and everyone be able to play at the best of their abilities in the fall leading into the spring now. Yeah. So being an experienced sophomore now, what was the advice you had, you know, for some of those freshmen and like Devin, Ta Devin Taylor, Tyler mm -hmm. Cerny, some of those, you know, infielders kind of in the same spot, as you mentioned, with you being an experienced sophomore, what was the, that advice you had for those guys? I would say the biggest advice uh, to give them is just keep working because uh, you never know when your number is going to be called. Uh, just always staying prepared because I was kind of thrown into that situation uh, at Clemson first weekend. I wasn't – I mean, I, I was prepared to go in, but I definitely wasn't expecting it and just kind of got my number called and was ready to go. And then from there just kept – kept performing because I did the work in the fall, did the work in the off season and was ready to go in the spring. And everyone else around me really helped me out as well throughout the whole process. So I was able to use all their advice, be able to give it to the freshmen and also keep supporting them throughout the whole fall because I want them to be the best that they can be. And that means they take my spot and they take my spot, but, you know, helping them be the best they can be to help the team succeed in the spring. So, yeah. So you talk about, you know, starting the season there at Clemson last season. I know this year we're starting at Auburn then going to Texas. Yep. I mean, that's one thing these past couple of years, you know, Coach Mercer has done a great job with of scheduling, you know, those top tier competition to start off the season. Um, mm -hmm. So what was that? What is that competition level? How does that competition level vary when you're facing, you know, SEC, ACC talent compared to Big Ten? Obviously, you know, it's still Power Five. Big Ten mm -hmm. baseball is right up there with, you know, the other Power Five conferences. But everyone talks about the SEC. Like when you're playing actually on the field, do you see a difference or do you kind of still think of it the same way? Yeah. Um, I'd say, I mean, it obviously is, there's obviously a difference in some of the teams, but when you're on the field playing, you're just, you're, you're still playing baseball. Like some guys, some teams may be a little bit more just fundamentally sound. Uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, everyone's playing power five baseball. Everyone's, really good enough to play at any school so um 
I mean, there was, I didn't really notice too big of a difference. Uh, I didn't try not to really think about it that much either because the more you think about it, then the more you're just going to hurt yourself and be able to give yeah. the advantage to that other team. But, you know, I mean, they always get the they always get the preseason respect. Uh, guys being ranked in the top 25, having whatever, how many All-American, preseason All-Americans and all that. But we just want to go down and uh, show that we're able to compete at the highest level. So, so – at the end of fall ball, uh, this is my last fall ball question. Then we'll go into actually like actual in season stuff. Okay. But at the end of fall ball, you know, I've always asked every player here these past couple of weeks about Iron Man week. Um, oh, you know, yeah. I just I hear about how much hell it is. Oh, yeah. Waking up at like four a.m. or whatever it is. Take us through your experiences. You know, last season as a freshman during Iron Man week, you know, when you didn't know what to expect, and now as a sophomore, I mean, it's still hell, even though you know what's coming. Oh, yeah. uh, take us through these Iron Man weeks. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just counting down the days until Friday is really what it is. Um, you know, it, it's the week starts out, uh, you know, a little lighter. Mondays, Monday was usually the light, the lightest day. Um, can just kind of easing you in, kind of getting that competitive flow going, and then you get into Tuesday, Wednesday, where you're doing event in the morning at six a.m. and event three p.m. after class and whatever. Um. And I mean, it's really just about who can gut through it and who can just uh, thrive under that pressure and under the kind of tiredness and competition aspect, who can really just push through because that's just going to show who's going to be the best in those high pressure moments. You know, when you got guy on second, two outs, bottom of the ninth and your tie ball game, you know, in a packed house. So, I mean, it's, it's really just about survival of the fittest is what it ends up coming down to, but it's, it's definitely not an easy week. That's for I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. you know, so I remain, obviously I remain week comes to an end, you know, you guys go through a couple of uh -huh. weeks, individual week, you know, during, you know, finals of the fall semester, go through winter break. And now, you know, we're back on campus here for week number one of the spring semester, yep. you know, what's going on at this point in the, you know, in, in the preseason, I guess, like what's going on, like how, how, long until you guys, you know, are going into team workouts? Like, what's going on right now at this point in the season? Yes, yeah, I'd say it's just kind of picking up where we left off uh, when we went to winter break with the individual workouts, uh, you know, still lifting and everything, getting stronger. Um, and then next week we'll start up team practices and kind of take those into the season, and that'll lead us into into Auburn, so. So, you, you know, you talked about, you know, how, you know, Clemson or Auburn or those types of schools, you know, get the preseason notoriety and, you know, they get the preseason All-Americans, preseason top 25. One cool thing that happened last year, you know, for you, you were considered the Big Ten, you know, what was it? Big Ten preseason freshman, freshman of the year, whatever, like that, so yeah. whatever the term was. And I, was, I know it was like mm -hmm. perfect game, Big Ten freshman of the year. Um, I know a lot of players don't look much into that. But when you did find that out, obviously it is something cool to be named that. So, you know, what went through your mind when you found out you were, you know, the Big Ten freshman preseason of the year? Yeah, I mean, again, like you said, I didn't really think, like, look much into it because, I mean, I'd rather I'd rather our team be named uh, at the end of the year Big Ten champions. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a cool accolade to be recognized for. But um, at the end of the day, it just comes down to, what we can do on the field in the season. Uh, I think preseason kind of awards and accolades are just kind of a prediction. So it's not really um, 
not always that telling into what happens in the season and just about if you can really just prove it on the field. So again, I'd rather just have us name Big Ten champions, you know, host the regional. Yeah. That would be a lot it'd be a lot more fun than that. So Yeah. So so before you stepped on the Bloomington campus, you were kinda a primary catcher from what I can kind of dig mm-hmm. through. Like going through the IU website, it still has you listed as a catcher. Mm-hmm. So last season, what was that transition process going from a primary catcher, maybe moving to first base? Or I saw you played a couple games in left field as well. Mm-hmm. What was that transition process going from, you know, your spot you played at your entire, you know, career so far to a different position? Yeah. So going from catcher to first, I feel like wasn't uh I didn't think it was that too diff too difficult of a transition. Um so I mean I took a lot of elements from first for or sorry, took a lot of elements from catching to first base and then had a lot of help from guys like Jake Scrine, Kit Fusers. Uh they really coached me up along the way and because I really didn't start playing first this year or sorry, last year. I didn't start really playing first until it was around this time when I really got thrown into that spot. So it was trying about just pick up the information as quick as I could and kind of getting in as many reps as possible, which was obviously a little difficult to do inside when we're going to be playing on dirt outside in our first weekend. So getting as many reps as possible and then taking as much information as possible and just being able to apply it. Yeah. So obviously last year, IU had three freshman All-Americans, you, Josh Pine, mm-hmm. Carter Matheson. I believe that's the first time it's ever happened in program history. You know, one of the, um, what do I say, I guess, years for the record books when it comes to, you know, the freshman class. Take us through the freshman season through your eyes. You know, maybe getting that a couple games play there in Clemson, going through, you know, transition to first base as well throughout that process. Uh, maybe what were some key elements to that last season? Maybe some key um, core memories that come to mind. Take us through last season a little bit. Yeah, um, I mean, it's – it's I got thrown into it right away. Me, Carter, and Josh did, actually. We all we all played pretty much the whole weekend on Clemson. Um, you know, going in and playing in front of five, 6,000 fans, first collegiate game, it was definitely a little bit overwhelming. But uh, just getting that first hit in my first at-bat was, was a big sigh of relief. Um, I was able to just kind of take a deep breath and then – kind of say uh, like yeah this is this is kind of cool uh I think you could do this a little bit uh so then from there it was just kind of building on that and just trying to keep doing my job in each uh each scenario you know as we get into kind of our first I'd say my first core memory would definitely be our first home game uh hitting two home runs that game was was pretty cool um first game at at Bar Coffin Field um so I say that that's definitely one of the first core memories of the year. And then just kind of going through Big Ten play, getting a hot streak at the end of the year, uh, you know, and sneaking in the Big Ten tournament and making a little bit of a run, knocking off the one seed. Um, and yeah, I mean, wouldn't have been done without, you know, help, help of all the guys around me, you know, encouraging me every day, keeping me going, um, especially as a freshman, me, Josh, and Carter. Uh, we're all playing every day. So a lot of encouragement from the older guys and them just staying with us and kind of keeping our spirits up throughout the whole year, I think was definitely a big part to help us get through the freshman year. Yeah. So going into this 2023 season, you know, we're bringing back, what is it, eight out of the nine guys from last year's lineup, bringing back a bunch of transfers that from what I hear, 
I mean, the expectations are pretty big this season, but through your eyes, just take us through you maybe what the outlook is for 2023 mm-hmm. and then what some of your personal goals are, you know, as we flip this calendar from 2022 to 2023. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say outlook in the next year is, uh, I mean, obviously the goal is to win the Big Ten, you know, make a run in the tournament, uh, maybe win the Big Ten tournament too and host the regional and see where we can go from there. Um that's everyone's goal. It's kind of hard to put a outlook on the year. Just, I mean, I guess looking back from last year, we got a lot of, a lot of offense back. So I'd say we'd be pretty strong on that side of the ball. Uh, pitching staff's looking good and we're going to be pretty strong on that side of the ball as well. So we're looking pretty, pretty well overall. Um, just looking to put all the pieces together and see what we can do in June. So, yeah. So after last season as a freshman going through the whole spring, um, where did you end up going to play collegiate summer baseball? Take us through that experience a little bit. And then maybe what is the plan after this spring on kind of where, you know, maybe where you go play collegiate summer baseball? Mm -hmm. So this summer was a little bit different. Um, I actually stayed around on campus and I was kind of lifting and I was working out and just working on gaining weight, getting stronger uh, for this season. So I actually didn't play summer ball this year, um, but next spring or this upcoming summer, I'm supposed to be going up to Cape Cod League and playing with Brewster. So that should be a should be a fun experience. Yeah, which I believe Carter's going there too, right? Uh, I don't think he's going to Brewster. I think he's going to I want to say Katuit maybe. Okay, Something so like you guys you guys be facing off against each other a couple times this summer. Yeah, yeah, we got a we got a few guys going up to the Cape, so it, it'll be it'll be pretty fun summer being able to play against well, a lot of guys on the team. So yeah, so how does how does that all work out? You know, does the collegiate coach or someone on I guess someone on the IU coaching staff are they connecting you with a travel a, a collegiate summer league or how exactly does that work? Yeah, so it's it goes mainly through Coach Simmons. Um, he'll let us know kind of our assignment and then. Over the next few weeks, the coaches will just kind of reach out and like, hey, got to fill out these forms, like whatnot. And then just kind of like an introduction uh, to those guys. So it's it kind of it starts like, let's say, about October, November ish time. And then from there, the rosters just get built and kind of throughout the spring, more details get finalized, uh, more information gets sent out. And then, yeah, go from there and head up to Brewster this summer. Yeah. So one of the, one of those key things that happens in a lot of the college summer leagues is, you know, the transition from metal to wood bats. But, mm-hmm. you know, talking to a lot of college prospects, they kind of use wood anyway when they're training. So for mm-hmm. you, how often do you make that transition from metal to wood? Yeah, um, it's it's definitely a tough transition going from all metal to then all wood just because of the the bat itself and kind of swinging it and everything. Um but I try as much as possible to swing wood uh, within training just so that when that time comes to have to pl- to play in a wood bat league like the Cape is this summer, it's not a just not a shock where I have to get have to take two weeks to get used to it. And then by then you're halfway through the season and then you're just kind of down on yourself of kind of struggling throughout the summer. But, um, yeah, I think it's important to really incorporate it throughout training just because wood back can also have a lot of a lot of benefits within your training so yeah and do you have a do you have a wood back company that you prefer or do you just kind of swing anything that you have your hands on 
Uh, I just kind of swing anything that feels nice. So. Okay. Well, well, so what size bat you swing? 34. 34. So is it 31? Is it, sorry, 34, 31 ounce? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And is it Louisville Slugger with IU, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, we got Louisville Slugger. So going to the Cape Cod this summer, obviously going to be a great experience. Every college baseball player I talked to has gone, who has gone there, you know, they say it's just an incredible time. Everyone knows what the Cape Cod League is. But before, you know, you got to college, before you got the opportunity to play in the Cape Cod League, you played for the Ohio Elite, one of the better travel baseball teams here in the Midwest. So take us through how you got connected with them and maybe what that experience was like. Yeah, so uh played with them starting in, I want to say when I was 13 or 14, something like that. I played with just my local um, travel ball team in New Albany before that. Um, so obviously going from that team to Ohio Elite was a big jump because we were playing in, you know, places like Atlanta. We were playing in uh, Hoover, Alabama, playing in, you know, wherever, all these big old big tournaments against, you know, like Canes type teams, elite squad, team elite, all that. Um, but, you know, playing with Ohio Elite were some of my best memories of playing baseball, you know, in the hotels with all those guys, uh, uh, traveling on the roads, all these other places, uh, just playing all summer. It was just some of the best, some of the best experiences in my baseball career. So if you had to look back into, you know, just your experience playing for the Ohio Elite, what would be some of those, you know, just favorite travel baseball memories you have playing those couple years there, you know, whether that's, you know, on the field doing something really cool, maybe messing around in the hotel room, mm -hmm. whatever happens to be like, what were some of those favorite memories that come to mind? Oof. Um, I'd say the hotels are definitely the one of the first things that pop in my mind. Um, as I was kind of getting closer to graduating, uh, we all uh, started to play Euchre a lot. So we play Euchre in the lobby every night for several hours. Uh, we play by the pool. Um, and then we just find random stuff to do, whether, whether it was walk to Waffle House before games or late at night, um, especially in Atlanta. Um, and then I'd say on the field, while this isn't, this isn't the most great memory, but playing four games in one day down in Georgia, um, in the middle of July was definitely, definitely something that will be burned in my mind. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> it was, it was a rough day, but you know, it, I wouldn't trade for the world. Cause I mean, everyone's struggling to get through that fourth game. Um, but I mean, stuff like that is just stuff that I'll never forget about summer ball. Yeah. So what are those, some of those relationships you have, you know, with the Ohio elite coaching staff, maybe some other guys mm -hmm. who played for Ohio elite who are playing across the country somewhere. What are some, uh, some of those relationships you have with them? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had the same coach, uh, Mark Gessner, all the way throughout uh, when I started playing with Ohio Elite to when I was done playing. So I had a really good relationship with uh, Coach Gessner. And then the guys on the team, because uh, we had pretty much the same team throughout throughout all the team, all the years as well. Some of my best friends, keep in touch with them pretty much every day now. And uh, a few guys are still playing at various schools around the country. So it's really cool to just kind of go from that one team kind of in Ohio to then now guys are all over the place playing. It's just, it's just really cool to be able to interact with them, see how they're doing, uh, kind of compare experiences as well, as well, just to see the kind of difference in different programs and all that. So. Yeah. 
So play, so playing high school baseball in Ohio, like, you know, as I look through it, look at it, you know, from the outside looking in, I take it as Ohio high school baseball is probably somewhat similar to, you know, high school baseball here in Indiana. Mm -hmm. uh, but from your experience, what did that competition level look like in Ohio? Maybe how often you were facing you know, other power five commits or whatever it happened to be. What did that competition level look like in Ohio? Is it, Are you talking about for like high school season or for travel wall? High, sorry, high school season. High school. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Central Ohio was, I think, really good with high school baseball. So we were playing some, we were playing some really good competition uh, week in and week out. Um, there were a few guys around Central Ohio committed Power Five, um, especially my senior year, uh, as we won the state championship. Kind of getting later and later in the tournament, we were playing some pretty good guys. Um, regional finals, we faced I think two Power Five commits, uh, state semis. They had pretty much an entire D1 lineup uh, up at Walsh Jesuit. And then state finals, we faced probably three or four more D1 commits. And I, I think I was one of two D1 commits on our team at the time, which ended up having, I want to say, maybe three or four more that team. But, uh, I mean, those, especially that tournament really helped prepare for uh, my freshman year last year so so did you get the chance to ever play up against Moeller we didn't we I never played Moeller no okay because Moeller's like that aren't they like the kind of the powerhouse of Ohio when it comes to high school baseball yeah they're they're definitely one of the powerhouses uh and down in Cincinnati they're definitely a powerhouse uh and throughout the state um Montangy Orange is getting up there as a powerhouse um Walsh Jesuits, Northeast Ohio powerhouse. Um, and New Albany's, you know, starting to make a name for themselves, not just in central Ohio, but in the state as well. So, I mean, there's some, there's some pretty good competition. I mean, obviously I'm a little bit biased being from the state of Ohio, but yeah. I'd say there's some pretty good, pretty good competition throughout the state. Yeah. Cause I mean, I can, I consistently see, you know, obviously with me being an aspiring agent, you know, I'm consistently looking mm -hmm. at these states in the Midwest, and I consistently see Moeller, um, what was it, Walt Jesuit? I see some type of Jesuit yeah. school one. Okay, is it? Yeah, Walt, Walsh Jesuit. Okay, yeah, because, I mean, yeah. I see those schools consistently. Um, a couple of those other schools you mentioned, like I've seen before. Um, mm -hmm. What's what's the guy's name heading here in the class of 24 from Ohio? J is it, like, Jake Hanley or something? Do you know who that oh, is? Oh, yeah, yeah, down in Mason. Mm -hmm. it, okay, have Jake you ever Hanley. faced him before? Uh, I've not faced Mason, no. Okay. All right, so digging a little bit more into just this is gonna, this is gonna be the last section before we dig into my last couple of questions to end it off. But uh, let's dig into you know actually on the field stuff. So you know okay. hitting to start out when you are you know let's say you're in the bat in the on deck circle, you're watching the pitcher, watching the guy in front of you. Maybe what's going through your mind as you know you're walking up to the plate, walking up the batter's box. Just take us through your hitting approach, your hitting mindset. Mm -hmm. Take us through what's kind of going through your mind at that point. Yeah. So. Um, it's honestly starts before I even get to the on deck circle because we got a lot of got a lot of scouting reports on guys, so we'll have a pretty good idea of kind of their pitch distribution. Obviously, it's gonna change at bat to at bat based on how many pitches it is, the situation, all that. But I have a pretty good idea going up to the plate of kind of what he likes to throw, um, and kind of what situations he likes to throw different pitches in. So I have a little bit of that knowledge going up to the plate. Um. But I mean, as I'm, I'm as I'm in the on deck circle, it's just kind of locking myself in to the moment and realizing what my job is. I have to do whether it's to move the runner, whether it's to score a runner, whether it's just to kind of have a long at bat and 
up the guy's pitch count if he's had if I'm going up with two outs and he's had gotten two outs with four pitches. You know, I just need to go up there and give our pitcher a rest, kind of drive up his pitch count. Um, so that's all kind of going through my head while I'm getting my timing down in the on-deck circle. And then, again, as I go up to the plate, it's just kind of clearing my mind and kind of keeping a simple approach, just trying to hit the ball hard in the middle of the field and kind of let my instincts do the rest from there. Yeah. So are you a big two-strike guy, or for the most part, do you kind of try to keep that same approach throughout the at-bat? Uh, I, I kind of try to keep the same approach throughout the at-bat. Obviously, it's going to change a little bit with two strikes just because I got to expand a little bit more than normal. But, I mean, if I try to expand too much, then that's when bad chases start to happen. I start to get off my off my normal timing, and everything just kind of falls apart from there. So it's really just about staying with myself and not trying to do too much, uh, not really thinking too much about each situation, just kind of trusting myself and trusting my preparation with everything. Yeah. So you talk about preparation, you talk about the scouting mm -hmm. reports there. How are those scouting reports kind of presented to you guys as the hitting group, Um, you know, before <laughs> a series, like what does that preparation look like? Yeah. So uh, we have, we typically have film on all the other pitchers and we'll watch film on the starting pitchers before each game uh, just because they're likely to go longer in the game and get to face them more times. So, We'll get to see their delivery before the game. Uh, we'll get to see kind of how they hold runners, their pace within the, within their windup, um, and then kind of the spin of each pitch and where he likes to locate each pitch. And from there, we get a little distribution of kind of pitch types and pitch diff in different counts. Um, his spray chart to righties versus lefties, uh, with guys on base, with no guys on base. Like, so the – Coaching staff does a great job of putting together these reports for us to help us get as prepared as possible. Um, and then from there, it's just about executing. So yeah. so going through last season and facing all the pitchers that you faced at the collegiate level for the first time, do you mm -hmm. kind of remember having at bat that's just ingrained into your ingrained into your head that might have been that maybe the toughest at bat that you had last season? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if uh, – I wouldn't say – I'd say one at bat in particular kind of sticks in my mind, but that one was kind of just because I, it didn't really go how I wanted it to. And I feel like it should have gone differently based off how things ended up. Uh, but there are a few moments like that that stick in my mind, but I'd say pitchers that kind of stick in my mind more than others than just like a single at bat. So who are, so, so just looking back into your entire mm -hmm. career, Who's the toughest pitcher you faced so far? Oof. Um, I'd say one of the toughest was Connor Connor Nolan from Arkansas. Um, it's one of our first weekends. He had a hit a pretty pretty nice curveball that uh, I just could not figure out. Um, I'd say he was probably the one that I struggled with the most. Um. say other than that uh he was definitely the one that stuck out to me the most yeah i'm sure well, when you face a guy who's getting drafted in the ninth round i mean it's gonna, yeah. it's gonna be a tough at bat i actually yeah. i talked to him for about two hours on the podcast uh oh really in i think november um cool guy um i did like a little series with his old travel baseball team and okay. I mean, i'm a big cubs guy too so it was cool to interview him and yeah get to dig into his brain a little bit but 
if you could dig into the mechanics of your swing, maybe just, you know, from the load up all the way through the follow through, take us through kind of what those mechanics are and how you've developed them over time. Mm -hmm. So that was a big thing that, uh, that I kind of went through in the fall of my freshman year was kind of figuring out how to use my lower half. Um, Cause I, I'd, I'd been always a guy who was, who tended to drift in my swing and get me off timing and, it would just get me off. Um, and I wasn't really using my lower half too much. So just being able to use my lower half, kind of stay in sync and be able to keep my weight, uh, my center of mass just kind of over top of myself instead of drifting out to where I'm off balance and not able to read the pitch well. So a big part of my swing is just trying to stay balanced as much as possible. And then from there, using my lower half as a, as a trigger to be able to kind of rotate through the ball pretty well. So if you were a scout watching your game, this can be, you know, when you're on the batter's box, you're playing first at, at catcher, you're playing in left field, wherever it happens to be on the field, interacting with some teammates. What would that personal scouting report look like if you were the scout sitting down watching your game, writing that up? Uh, oof. That's a tough one. Uh, I mean, just as a personal thing, I would like to say that it's a guy who gives 110% all the time because I always like to – give max effort at all times, no matter what the situation is. And um, I love to compete. So any point in the game, I'm going to compete, um, whether it be on the defensive end, whether it be on the offensive end, whether it be on the bases, uh, whether it be in the dugout, just cheering on my teammates, uh, love to compete. So, but from an actual baseball standpoint, um, I'd say it's a guy who just likes to work gap to gap and try likes to drive in runners. Um, and is able to produce runs for a team. So I'd say that'd be a I'd say that'd be a pretty good scanning report kind of from the outside looking in. All right. So then as we head, you know, head into, you know, the 2023 season and, and beyond, you know, as you continue with your mm -hmm. collegiate, hopefully professional career as well, um, what are some of the key things that you're wanting to develop most within your game here in the near future? Yeah. Um from the hitting side, I would definitely say um Again, like I talked about a little bit ago, just staying balanced more consistently. And then um, kind of mentioned it just now, just consistency throughout my swing and kind of being able to repeat it uh, every pitch and be able to just have consistently good at bats and be able to uh, just keep driving in runners and stuff like that. So, yeah. So out of, so out of all the coaches that you've had, you know, coach Mercer, Oh, man, I always forget the hitting coach here at IU, his name. Um, all the, the Just the IU coaching staff, the Ohio Elite coaching staff, mm -hmm. um, New Albany as well. Who would be um, the most influential people that you've had in your career so far? Two to three people. Um, just who's most influential, yeah. kind of the reasoning for them being so influential? Yeah. Oof, that's tough. Um, I mean, it's hard to just pick out one guy, one or two guys. Um just because everybody it's been in like different stages in my career uh, between high school ball, which is kind of just where it started. Travel ball was just a continued little development and then college ball to just uh, kind of keep going with that process. So, I mean, I think each coach along the way has had, uh, has had a great impact on my career and really helped me to keep going to where I need to get to. Um, and I'm so thankful for all the coaches I've had along the way because I wouldn't be here without the coaches I've had with head coach in high school, Coach Starling, um, 
my travel ball coach, Coach Gessner, and then now Coach Mercer, and then each of the coaching staffs within there. So, again, it's really just hard to pick out one or two guys to say would be the most influential. Yeah. So with you at this point in your career, uh, this will actually be the last question before we dig into my last like four or five I ask everybody at the end. But at this point in your career, like I said, I mean, you transitioned from, you know, catcher to first base slash, you know, a little bit of outfield last season. Mm -hmm. um, so where are you kind of like, are you still, you know, maybe building relationships with pitchers when it comes to maybe catching them in a bullpen? What does that look like right now? Like how um, active are you as a catcher right now? Yeah, I'm. I'm just trying to get with as many guys as possible um, just because we have a lot of new guys between freshmen and transfers. So just trying to figure out how the ball moves, uh, where they like to work in the zone, um, kind of how to set up with each guy. It's definitely about just catching them as much as possible and then talking with them as well and kind of getting to know what their kind of mindset is on the mound. Uh, so I think the biggest thing is just repetitions and just – consistently working with different guys to get to know what everyone does differently because not no two pit no two pitchers are the same so just figuring out each guy yeah all right so down to my final here couple questions before you know we end off here on the jkr podcast i believe you're here episode number eight last episode of the hoosier baseball series i'm doing uh so let's go ahead let's wrap it up, wrap uh, it up. first question here to end it off so you know beyond baseball what are some of the things, you know, you enjoy doing call, I guess, call them passions, I guess. What are some of those passions you mm -hmm. have beyond the game of baseball? Yeah. I, I just like spending time with other people, um, whether it be guys on the team or whether it be, you know, some of my friends back home, I just love spending time with other people and, you know, doing whatever, whether it be just kind of going bowling, going to a place like top golf, going, just going and fishing, something like that, but just spending time with other people, uh, away from the game of baseball, just kind of doing anything like that. Yeah. So digging into the motivation side of things. So what is it that kind of, you know, helps you, you know, get out of bed every morning, go win the day, go continuously evolve. What are some of those motivations that you have that just help you get out of bed every morning? Yeah. Uh, I'd say it's just kind of the lifelong dreams that I've had since I was, since I started playing baseball. Uh, I just kind of think about that every day and think about the fact that everyone else is out there doing the same thing. So uh, I got to basically keep up or what can I do to kind of be everyone that day. Um, and it's just about bettering myself every day, just thinking what can I do that day to help myself get, you know, 1% better, just do one thing that I can improve on and that they'll feel like the success. So it's just about kind of finding that one thing and kind of getting that in my mind to just get through the day and, kind of improve on the day so yeah so you talk about fulfilling that lifelong dream that you've had as a kid what does the perfect picture of your life look like here in 20 years down the road you know you continuously Oof. get one percent better every day mm -hmm. continuously uh just get i guess following your dreams what does that perfect picture of your life look like in 20 years yeah uh i mean that that's hard to say but i'd say just going back to my lifelong dream i think it's pretty common between uh all people who start playing baseball at a young age is to play professionally and growing up a Reds fan. I think it'd be amazing to play in great American ballpark uh, for Cincinnati Reds. So I'd say that would definitely be a cool thing to look back on in 20 years and kind of see where my career took me, whether it was uh, ending at college, ending in the minors, ending in 
the big leagues, just wherever it took me looking back. And uh, I aspire to be in the front office of a major league organization, I'd say 20 years down the road. So being able to be in a front office and kind of look back on where my career led me to would be, I'd say that'd be ideal. Okay. All right, man. So down to my final question here, it's kind of, you know, my staple that I ask everybody to end off the podcast. So now that you, you know, you were a collegiate baseball player and the NCAA came out with those name, image, and likeness regulations a couple of years ago, what would be your dream NIL brand, or I guess just your dream brand to, you know, endorse, collaborate, partner with whatever it happens to be, what would that dream brand be? Oh, that one's easy. Uh, Lululemon for sure. Okay. They're, their stuff's awesome. Wear it all the time. So I think that would definitely be, that would definitely be an ideal one. Yeah. Well, I have to say Lululemon's pretty common within, uh, within baseball players. I have to say, oh, yeah. I think oh, yeah. I, it's, it's probably a 40% clip or more of how many people say Lululemon to end off the podcast. I'm, it, I'm not surprised. There are a lot of guys who wear it, especially playing baseball. Yeah. See, I was expecting Nike when I, cause I started the question, I believe like in, in June or something. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was like, Oh, by far the most common answer is going to be Nike. But Lululemon, I think, has kind of over overtooken that and uh, been the most answer most answered question. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm trying to say. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not surprised by that. All right, man. That's all the questions here I got for you on the JKR podcast. Obviously, with me being a fellow Hoosier, I'll be at Bar Kaufman Stadium um, all spring this year, cheering you guys on. Uh, hopefully, you guys, you know, go win a couple games. Hopefully, go to Omaha. Um, best of luck here this spring for you. Best of luck, you know, when it comes to the rest of your career as well. I just do really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And like I said, just best of luck this season. Thank you. I appreciate it.